I think a lot of people think that I'm hard on them because I demand a lot in the way of results. I don't demand a lot from friendships. I don't care if you don't talk to me ever. As long as I know your loyalty is there, you're a friend. That's just how it is for me. Like I, I'm not going to call you every day because I just can't because there's just so, so, so little time in the day. But I'm out there working. I'm trying to do all these things. And I know how everybody else feels. I know other people feel it too. You feel like you're trying to just dig your way out of a hole, like you're running through mud and you're getting inches ahead, but you look everywhere you look, there are people that are getting feet, you know, in yards and miles ahead. And you look at their situation, you ask yourself, how the hell is this happening when I'm doing everything I possibly can and I'm just getting by a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Welcome back, my friends. It's the higher standard. It's your boy, Chris. You heard the intro. We're here to raise the bar a little bit. I hesitated doing this episode for a number of reasons, not the least of which is I didn't want to come off whiny didn't want to come off like I was complaining. But the more I thought about it, the more it became pretty apparent that my frustrations, the things I wanted to whine about and complain about, weren't really because I'm, you know, an asshole. It's because I'm experiencing some of the things that I'm sure everybody else is frustrated with too right now. This is a weird time in the economy, in life. I mean, coming off the pandemic, transitioning to work from home things aren't really kind of like they were but they're kind of like they were and the more i started to unpack in my mind why i was frustrated i thought you know what let me hop on the mic real quick let's talk to everybody maybe this resonates maybe maybe you guys feel the same way i don't i don't know i was listening to ben baller's podcast the other day and he was he was talking about uh how you know family issues and raising kids and 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 I totally get that man when you when you're a, when you're a parent things take on a certain level of of like increased sensitivity like the things you do the decisions you make it's not about you anymore it's about them and that that's pressure because when it was you you could fail you could start back up you can do all those things but you can't let those kids down you can't I can't let my son down not to mention the fact that he's got so many damn good nicknames the Korean John Cusack damn I need a I need something like that I can't, I can't be the fat, tall guy because that's what I am right now. But I'll think of something eventually. Nonetheless, let's catch up. I've traveled a lot since the last time I recorded a solo. And I've had some guests on in between, before, after. I've appeared on some other podcasts here and there. I traveled a little bit. But it wasn't until I got home and I stopped traveling a little bit to, when I really started thinking. 
I went to I went to Texas to visit my mom and my sister in addition to some work at the bank. And I came back home and we did, you know, we went to Waco, saw Chip and Joanna Gaines's place. And everybody in Texas, they don't really, they're not really afraid of the pandemic like the way California is. It, it's a different state of mind. There weren't really a lot of people wearing masks. And I'm not, I'm not judging one way or the other. You know, I don't care if you've been vaccinated or not. I got a kid. He can't get vaccinated. So of course I got vaccinated. My wife did. No judgment on anybody either way. That was just why we did it. But you can definitely tell there's a cultural change there. And then when you get on an airplane, regardless whether you're in Texas or you know Florida for that matter, which I also went to too, people are wearing masks on the plane. But at the same time, you know these people are not the same people who are wearing masks when they're off the plane. And I don't know if it's lipstick on a pig or, or what it is, but it's, it's just weird traveling now. There's like this stigma People who cough on the, I mean, it's just all, it's all weird. It's just, it's just all very weird. And as much as we think things are getting back to normal, you know, or post pandemic, it's really not back to normal. And I don't know how long it'll take to get there. People are saying, oh, well, you know, the COVID shot will be like the flu shot. You know, it'll, you just get it every year. And, you know, okay. Yeah. There's boosters out and everything else, but I, I don't know if it's the same, at least, at least not for me and my family it definitely feels different. And I don't know if you guys feel that way. Well, we go to Texas, we visit my family, we come back, and I have another trip. I, I go to Florida, and I stop in Dallas as, as, a, as a layover for about an hour or so, go, go to Florida, handle some bank-related business. I'm there for maybe 24, 48 hours, and then I fly back. And I had one of the worst experiences on American Airlines. And I'm not saying this to badmouth American Airlines. I'm still going to travel American Airlines. I'm still going to go through, the, through their, their Dallas-Fort Worth hub. That, they're... Their way their network set up, which works well for my travel, considering we go to Texas so much, and I got rental property in the Midwest, and you know Florida is a, you know, a jump from there, and you can usually get a seven 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 or seven eight seven if you go into Miami. So there's reasons why, you know, I like American. But what was interesting to me this time was that there was a clear lack of resources that they had. I didn't find out until two days after I got back that that they had canceled twelve hundred flights, and I know that because we were waiting for my six hour layover on the way back. It was supposed to be an hour, wound up being a six-hour delay, and you know I had a glass of wine for every hour. It was a very, very fun ride home after, after we finally boarded the plane. But the entire wait was because they didn't have a flight attendant. They didn't have enough personnel. And that really made me think a lot about how the economy is changing, the landscape is changing, this work-from-home thing's crazy. Can you imagine starting off in the work world now? And someone says to you, hey, I need you to put on a flight attendant's you know, suit and travel on a plane, and you're going to make this dollar an hour. Well, unless the you know, airline industry has increased salaries and wages, there's a lot of jobs you can do and work from the comfort of your home, get up when you want, get dressed how you want, you know, have all the creature comforts of working from home that we all know are real, and you don't have to deal with all that. I know at the bank level, I mean, if you can think about it this way, if you're, if you're a teller and you have to get dressed in, you know, business casual attire and go into a branch, I don't know how appealing that job is anymore compared to what it once was. And yes, it's definitely a segue. I started off as a teller. I'm a big advocate of that. But I can see how inflation is starting to have an impact, how the landscape for jobs is changing and starting to have an impact. And the way we think about going to work is different. I worked from home a lot. It's no secret that to many that I tried working from home and, you know, just going to going to work from home four days a week and, and you know, being with my family more. And as much as I love being with my family, 
I miss people. And the connecting over Zoom just wasn't for me. So now I'm back in the office every day. I mean, I'll take a day or two here and there, maybe to work from home if, if there's a timing thing. And that flexibility is wonderful. I love it. But I miss seeing people in the office. I miss hearing the hustle and bustle. I miss, I miss all that stuff. And you think everybody's working from home. You know, where is everybody? I don't see them anymore. And I thought to myself the other day, there's, there's a couple of people that I haven't spoken to in over a year since the pandemic hit. That's crazy. And I know I'm complaining. Things are changing. Change is inevitable. Blah, 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 blah. I'm going somewhere with this. Bear with me. When I was in Florida... I drove, I landed in Miami and drove from Miami across the Everglades, which is a really stunning drive, especially when I drove it. It was over at sunset. It was beautiful. They call it Alligator Alley. I didn't see any alligators just fencing up, but I can imagine how if you're in that area and things go, you know, kind of crazy wild, you can see somebody crossing the road or something like that. This is the Everglades, but it is beautiful when the sun sets. Stunning. One of the things I noticed on the way out of Miami and over to Naples, which was my ultimate destination, was there was so many buildings being built. Construction, commercial, multifamily, tons and tons of multifamily apartment buildings, massive complexes on the outskirts of Miami. I, I was shocked. And I thought to myself, like, damn, man, like this is this is a lot of construction. I get into Naples, it's the same thing. There's there's new buildings everywhere. And yeah, Naples is a little bit more land rich than Miami. It's definitely less dense. But there's a tremendous amount of wealth there. And this is not a knock on anybody in Florida. I just saw people, less people with masks on in Florida. There, there was definitely less of a concern in Florida as it related to, you know, California. So now I've been in some of the, you know, three of the largest cities in the country, uh, three of the largest states in the country. And I've seen these polar, like, thought processes on, on you know, who should be wearing a mask, who shouldn't be wearing a mask, and these just crazy booming local economies with construction and Florida was definitely the canary in the coal mine. I look at that and I thought, man, I remember before the great recession, San Diego had these condo conversions. Everybody was buying, you know, buying apartment complexes, converting the condos and selling them because they could, they can make a ton of money. And right now flipping is huge. Once again, and Zillow just announced this week, they were getting out of the flipping business and everybody except for, uh, you know, a few people were, were really, really happy about it. And it, it showed that the algorithm was broken and there's been all sorts of press and people are saying that, you know, Open Door has won that war. And I don't think it's that simple. I think we're all writing off the easy answer here. But maybe, just maybe, Zillow's really, really, really smart. I know they took some losses and they're going to have to, you know, carry that on their balance sheet and their public company and all that stuff's going to hit their stock price. Yes, all that's going to happen. By the time you hear this, we'll know how it played out. But I do think there's more to that story. Anthony Shea over at Loan Depot, he came from Lending Trees Home Loan Center before that with Doug Lebda. Before that, E-Trade Bank, he sold them their, his mortgage company. He, this man has timed the market exceptionally well. And I, I've learned not to judge people when they get out of businesses or companies when they get out of businesses for, for reasons that we don't necessarily fully understand. Anthony Shea is now a billionaire. And I would have said, man, I don't know if he should have, you know, if he if he was going to be right, you know, with Loan Depot, the timing just didn't feel right. And sure enough, it was dead on money good. And he went public and the guy's a billionaire now. I think Zillow has figured out that not only is their algorithmic trading model, they're losing money on their, their eye buying and flipping homes programs. But I think they also know that if a recessionary economy is coming and values do have a potential to go down the other way, cutting your losses now at a higher tier in the market 
will salvage your possible losses in the future compared to somebody like an open door who's going to stay in that business or the hundreds of thousands of flippers that are across the country. And there's definitely people who are exceptions to that rule who know it. But no, when you've got built-in profits to some of these things, you can get hit hard. And with all this construction going across the country, in frothy economic scenarios like this, there's tons of private money out there. There's just tons of money. And there's a lot of wealth in areas that are generally older populations. Like Naples is essentially like an older retirement community, but it also has this new like level of wealth that's coming to the area because it got great schools there. And there's lots of positive things about the local economy. When you have that much money, though, it's this parasitic cyclical pattern, right? Properties are worth more money. You go to banks because rates are low. They give you more money, more cash out. More cash out goes to help buying more property. But the property's valued high. And this cyclical pattern of being able to cash out and get more money and get more liquidity in the system goes on and on and on and on. And banks perpetuated. And I'm a banker. Look, I know I'm, I'm partial, partially to blame, but that's just the way the process works. And then when everything shifts the other way, guess what? It changes dramatically overnight. Overnight. And for a lot of young people or younger people, they're going to say, I didn't see this coming. Well, I don't know that anybody really sees what's coming next as a thing, but I'll tell you, I think Florida is the canary in the coal mine. I said it before, I'll say it again. I think that Florida is going to have a real, real issue with the amount of construction that I saw going on there. And it's not just Florida. There's, there's states all across the country that are the same way, but Florida notably had a lot going on, man, a lot. The other side of this coin, too, when you think about American Airlines and the travel and the situation that I was going through in this job situation, you know, inflation and the changing, you know, landscape of how people work and, and what they what they expect from things. I think with all these boats sitting out in the harbor and you have, uh, you know, a, a supply chain issue, there are mounting signs that are concerning all over right now, all over the economy and we're, we're we're still rosy. I mean, the Dow closed over thirty six thousand today as I record this, and it was very, it's very prosperous. You look at the numbers; it, the economy is prosperous. Fed came out and said they weren't going to raise rates, but you know you're going to start seeing they kind of foreshadowed or telegraphed what they're going to start doing. I honestly think even a quarter point interest rate is going to see a dynamic change. And I I'm not predicting. Remember the show commentary. This is entertainment. This is not you know financial advice, but. Things are getting to a point now where you can't ignore the impacts of inflation. You can't ignore the impacts and stresses on companies finding people to work. And you certainly can't ignore the liquidity in the system. Banks, all banks across the country, have a tremendous amount of excess liquidity. And if you know how the banking system works, banks make the most money when they're lending that money out. And if they're loans to deposits, that ratio, is high in favor of deposits and low in favor of loans, call it 80% of their money is invested. That means they're missing out on money they could be making because banks make money on the arbitrage of taking in money from you and giving you a low rate and giving it out to somebody else for a higher rate. That's just how the banking system works. It's the net interest margin. There's some other fees built into it, but that's essentially how it works, going back to the start of banking. Things are due for a change. So I got back and I'm starting to think about all this stuff. I'm trying to be proactive. I try to buy real estate in all economies, good or bad, because it really matters more to me that the cash flow is there and less that the, the value goes up and down the fluctuations. But I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what I don't understand. And maybe that makes me a terrible investor. These type A aggressive personalities, they tend to invest in any market. But the rhetoric's out there. The, the evidence is out there and I see it. I see it for what it is, but nobody, no economist, I don't care who you are. You could be Zandy over at Moody's. You could be one of the best. 
I don't know that anybody knows for sure what's going to happen next. So I got discouraged. You know, I came back. I've been firing on all cylinders. I've been working, you know, as much as I can. I'm trying to grow the podcast. I'm trying to grow, you know, my. The, I'm trying to finish this book that I've been writing. I got the family who, who's demanding time. I've been traveling a lot. You're away from home. You're sleep deprived in some instances. You're trying to catch back up. Things get really wild. Things get really nuts. And what do you do? You start to look at yourself and say, damn, am I doing too much? Am I, am I, you know, I'm, I think a lot of people think that I'm hard on them because I demand a lot in the way of results. I don't demand a lot from friendships. I don't care if you don't talk to me ever. As long as I know your loyalty is there, you're a friend. That's just how it is for me. Like I, I'm not going to call you every day because I just can't because there's just so, so little time in the day. But I'm out there working. I'm trying to do all these things. And I know how everybody else feels. I know other people feel it too. You feel like you're trying to just dig your way out of a hole, like you're running through mud and you're getting inches ahead, but you look everywhere you look, there are people that are getting feet, you know, in yards and miles ahead. And you look at their situation, you ask yourself, how the hell is this happening when I'm doing everything I possibly can and I'm just getting by a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And I don't want anybody to think that I'm coming off as a guy who doesn't know he's blessed. I understand that I'm on social media posting first class flights and I understand that I have a different expectation from myself. But I don't think that most people realize that they're harder on themselves than they are on other people when they get into one of these funks. And I'm definitely chiefly among them. It's funny to me that the most successful people that I know are the people that will look in the mirror and tell themselves all the wrong things that they see. I'm not making enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not in shape enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. And this is not a brag or a flex. I've just noticed it. It's just, it's just a thing that they do. And I don't know if it comes from the trauma of childhood or if it comes from, you know, th this perpetual need to continue to self-improve. I, I don't know what it comes from. I know that I certainly feel that way. I was talking to my wife, yeah, I think it was last night. And I was telling her like, damn, babe, it's just all these things I'm doing. I feel like it's, none of it's going anywhere. And people make the mistake a lot of times think that, you need that money to, to do that. I don't need that for my, for my dopamine. For me, I need little wins, little victories. But certainly, if I'm putting in a lot of time to try to grow things like a TikTok channel, and you know, I, could, I could see people out there you know, dancing like half nude and they get millions of followers, but me giving out sound advice, real advice, rational life stuff that you could use, I'm fighting for every follower up to the 6,000 that I have. It, it's not lost on me that things are things are sometimes a grind. And I do get discouraged, certainly get discouraged. Matter of fact, you know, when I first started out with this podcast, I didn't think anybody was going to be coming on. I was very, very hesitant to start inviting people. And I know that Jay, who helps me produce this, was very positive and resoundingly like motivational about things. And, you know, it talked to me about possibly going on a gratitude walk. And I look, I appreciate all of that input. But for me, I just needed to experience it. I needed to get into it, take that try, get that L if I was going to get it. And what, you know what? Everybody was so positive. Every guest I've had on has been like, yeah, I'll be on, man. Yeah, no problem. This is a podcast that isn't out yet. They don't know what it's going to sound like. They don't know what the production value is going to be like. They just know that we're having a conversation together. And they trust me to put them out there. By the time you hear this, they probably have heard, they probably have heard an episode or two. But by the time they've recorded their episode, months before you even hear it, there's nothing out there for them to hear. 
they're taking this on faith from me. And that's a little bit of dopamine. It makes me feel good. But I'm incredibly difficult on myself. I know that. I know a lot of people that I talk to, particularly younger people, are really, really, really hard on themselves. I talked to a guy today. His name shall remain nameless. He's a great dude. I want to say he's probably in his late 30s, early 40s. And he was so upset with himself that he was successful in the, in the career path that he chose, but hadn't made investments that earned him passive income. And I asked him why he was so upset. Well, obvious answer. He's been watching a lot of social media and everybody out there is talking about all these things that he should be doing. And he read Rich Dad, Poor Dad way back in the day. He read the 40-hour work week. He read all the stuff that we all know have, have been motivational for culture or lifestyle that teaches you to work less and let your money work for you more. I get it. I get it. We, we all have that dream. And he felt like at his age, he should have more done. He hadn't even started yet. And now he was going to start investing in real estate and felt that he was behind the eight ball. And I thought to myself, you are not behind the eight ball, dude. In 10 years, you could change everything. In five years, you could have a significant financial difference. But he was incredibly hard on himself. Incredibly negative. Those are the people that I so badly want to help. Because I know you're holding yourself to, I know, cliches, it's going to sound, are we ready for it? A higher standard. You're holding yourself to a higher standard. And I respect that. I respect, respect that immensely. It's the ones who come in my office and tell me after they've been working for me for a couple months, I know everything about what I'm doing. Or, you know, people that are in their early, mid-20s that, that feel like they're industry-seasoned professionals, but really can't cite any experience they have that is any, in any way unique or different than so many other people that are out there. If a mass amount of people have the same experience you do, and it's not unique to you, I got to be honest here, guy. That does not make you an expert. That makes you a participant in the same thing that everybody else is doing. So, Chris, how does this all relate? Well, we all have family stress. We all travel. We all get pulled in different directions. You get back, your email's full. You got a ton of stuff going on. You all have competing priorities. We have a changing economic landscape. I'm in the business of trying to understand and mitigate the risk of the landscape. And I can tell you right now, I have no clue what's going to happen next year. I'm just preparing. And the whole time I'm making smart, prudent, you know, wise decisions based on what I think will be timeless financial risk. Not, I'm going to take advantage of this market because it's awesome. Timeless financial risk. I'm not buying property if I can't put 30, 35% down right now. I'm just not doing it. I don't know where the value is going to be. I don't know what's going to happen. The canary in the coal mine, you know, I really do think we should look to markets. As 2023 rolls around, 2022 coming up, I think you're going to start to see in that period of time that, that next year, you're going to start to see economies change. You're going to start to see warning signs. You're going to start to see little things fall. And you've got to pay attention because if that canary in the coal mine falls, you could be next. You could be the next victim. You could be the next one that goes down if you don't observe the signs. They are there for a reason. These things happen for a reason. You have to be proactive, not reactive to the things around us that we're seeing. It's easy to be discouraged. But remember, recessionary economies build the next layer of wealth. So as much as I might get down on all the work that I'm putting in to build social media, all the work that I'm putting into my law firm for free, a lot of pro bono clients, matter of fact, most of them recently. 
you know, and all the money I've given back on the real estate side, I give a lot back there too. I, you know, I do help some clients from time to time on a, on a paid feed structure, but we give a lot back there too. All this work that we're doing, I believe that there's, there's a positive benefit that's intangible. It's not about money, but I believe the more people we help, the more lives that we impact, the more people we connect with, I think that money will come too. I think more money will come, more success will come, more opportunities will come. But I think if you choose wrong now and you go into the next economy, I don't think you're going to have those opportunities. I don't think you're going to have the state of mind to bear with it. Because if you're getting down now, you're getting discouraged now, just working hard and grinding through, layer in financial difficulty on top of that. Layer in the stress of a changing job landscape. Layer in the stress of scarcity, inflation, to a recessionary economy, a visibly recessionary economy. So I guess the moral of the story here is for you, for me, for everybody, stay positive. Count your wins and blessings and not in dollars. It's okay to be hard on yourself. It's okay to have expectations. I do too. I'm super, super critical on myself. And I know I don't conform to traditional norms and that upsets a lot of people in my industry. But I am who I am and I'm true to that. So no matter what happens in the recessionary economy, no matter what happens coming up next, I'm going to stay vigilant, stay positive. And I suggest you too, because it's going to be a bumpy ride for about a year. I hope the message made sense. It's, uh, it's been one of those weird kind of topics. I wasn't sure I was going to talk about or not, but I think there's a lot to really think about. And I didn't want to get into the statistics of the markets. I really didn't want to talk about specific incidents beyond, you know, the kind of the stuff I mentioned generally, because I don't know when this is going to air. Number one, number two, this is relevant no matter when it airs, because it'll air before, you know, 2022 is over for sure. And it'll probably air in the first couple of months of, of, of 2022. And when it does, I think we'll be right in the middle of this. So it might be a good time for you to press that pause button and think. The outro is coming up soon. But before it does, an extra special thank you for tuning in. It has been a grind getting the podcast up. I've learned a lot from Jay and his team. I've learned a lot from my friends online and social media. I've learned a lot from listening to established podcasts. Podcasts you should listen to, too. Like Smartless is a great one. Ben Baller's podcast is a, is a great one. I got a lot of them that I listen to in constant rotation. And I wouldn't be who I'm at today without the contributions of the many people helping me out. So thank you for those of you who helped me. And thank you for those of you who listen. We'll catch you next time. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.